Hello, Internet. It's Tori. You're listening to the Cosmere Deep Dive Podcast. For updates on when episodes go live, follow us on Twitter and Facebook. To join the discussion, visit our Patreon page at patreon.com slash CosmereCast, where you'll find an invitation to our Discord server. Thank you for listening, and please enjoy the show. Hello and welcome to the Cosmere Deep Dive Podcast. I'm your host, Mike. Joining me this week are Craig. Wait, did you do that on purpose? Did I do what on purpose? The Deep Dave Podcast. That's what it's always been called, Craig. No, has it? It has. I I forgot what universe I'm in. Hello, everyone. (laughs) And Dive. It's a Saturday morning, folks. And Tori. (laughs) Hello, Internet. And we start every week with good thing. So, Craig, what's your good thing? Uh, real quick, already, I think our listeners can tell this is going to be a choice episode this week. Starting um, a new book today. That's, yeah, that's, that's good. Um, that is a good thing, but, uh, man, well, yeah, so, shout outs to my honorary good thing being we're getting to Words of Radiance, book two of the Stormlight Archives, this podcast, so this is great, we're, we're moving along, and Dave's going to be caught up to us soon. Um, for us recording, it is Spooktober this month, um... We're in the middle of it, so my good thing this week is a game I've been playing a lot with Dave, uh, Phasmophobia, which is a spooky ghost hunting type game. Well, not hunting so much as trying to find ghosts, take pictures and stuff. Paranormal investigation. It is. Um, It's it's Ghostbusters with the serial numbers filed off and minus most of the comedy. So the, the type of game is you have a number of inspired by real life ghost hunting equipment that you purchase over time um you go to a house in the, at nighttime of course because why would you go during the daytime with your limited equipment and you try to find activity of a ghost you try to find which room they're located in you're trying to figure out what what equipment they tend to respond to because they only respond to like three types of equipment and you're trying not to die because they get agitated when people keep you know, running around, shouting at them, and just, you know, overall agitating them, that eventually they will attack you, and you have to hide and and hope that you survive. So, it's spooky. Craig still hasn't learned to shut up once the ghost starts chasing people around. Yes, I do. What? I usually do. As soon as the hunt starts, I don't typically talk. Hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on. Are you telling me that Craig doesn't stop talking? (laughs) <laughs> because yeah, I, I find that hard that. to believe. Yes. Well, the ghost this is one time. Not, I was hiding in a room. Well, listen, I was, <laughs> I was hiding in the living room, and I had the door shut, and I was hiding from the ghost. And Craig was out on the front porch on the other side of the window, <laughs> yelling at the ghost Wait, to come in and no, kill me. Go back. I only did that because he did the same thing to me the first time. Yeah, the, the only difference is he got me killed. <laughs> but we got a good picture out of it, so it's a cool. Um, but yeah, so it's it's actually surprisingly a lot of fun. Plus, it automatically has... They, they've been producing it for VR. Um, and I have seen some streamers play it. I haven't tried it myself yet because I don't have my VR set up. But I've seen streamers do it. And from what, from what they've said, like, they... It is great in VR as well. It looks like a solid implementation. But recommendation: set up your VR before your kid is old enough to destroy it, and then take it down when they are. Okay. Um. So yeah. So it's a lot of fun. It's not even that expensive of a game. You can get it on like Steam and stuff. But uh, it's a lot of fun, and it's great for October. So those of uh, our listeners who 
still are listening at this point in time might want to get the game. But, you know, it's not like it, the game's going to be bad in a few months. It's just, uh, it'll just be a different time. November 1st, the game spoils. That's true. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, a lot of fun. You can check out some streamers and YouTubers who play the game uh, if you're curious about what it's like. But yeah, it's really, really good. It's a it's scary, but it's not like I'm gibbering in fear and can't do anything because you can understand and learn the patterns, learn what to look out for so you don't get too committed. Plus, you get to play with friends. You play up the, with three other friends. I don't think I mentioned. Um, and that's, of course, fun with friends. Always good. You can play by yourself, though. It's just hard uh... and scary. All right, Dave, what's your good thing this week? Dave's good thing this week is um, Avatar, The Last Airbender comics, The Search, wherein Zuko gets Azula out of the asylum and they go looking for Mama Ursa. Oh, yeah, I forgot that that doesn't ever get resolved in the show. Yeah, that was the number one thing that fans were asking uh, Brian and Michael. They're like, oh, what happened to Zuko's mom? So, you know. They turned it into a comic books. Uh, it's a it's a trilogy, but I have like the hardbound trilogy copy, so it's like all three comics in one edition. You waited uh, you for the trade wherever you get stuff. Well, I just you know put off reading it, and then I was like, oh hey, it, this exists in one volume now. So I've read the promise and the search, and I forget what the third one is. I think there's like a third one involving uh, Ang Gang, and then there's. There's like a separate series of comics where it goes back to Kiyoshi, I think. So I've got a few more to go. So uh, it's cool. It's just like a comic book version of the show. If you're familiar with the show, then just imagine everyone talking in the show's voices. And it totally sounds like stuff that they would say. Uh, does Zuko need any calming tea? Um, actually, there's a scene where Aang needs calming tea, believe it or not. So. Okay. All right. Uh, so if if Dave is done with his good thing... Then I'll do mine. All right, sounds like Dave's done with this good thing. Uh, So my good thing this week is a game called Among Us, which I'm sure most of you know. Uh, It is Mm. a hidden role game. Um, You are all little little astronaut guys on either a spaceship or a sky platform or a volcano base, and one or two of you are alien imposters uh, whose job it is to murder everybody, uh, where everybody else's job is to figure out uh, either figure out who the imposters are and throw them out and kill them, or uh, to finish all of your tasks to get the spaceship, sky lab, or volcano base uh, back up and operational, um, and then you win that way. And it's a lot of fun. And it is free on mobile, but I got tired of mobile shenanigans, uh, so I bought the $5 Steam version last night, and it is it is just a world of difference. Like, uh, trying to move on the mobile version is bad. Uh, either you're, you're just pushing on the screen, which uh, is imprecise, and also... Whenever I was the imposter and I killed someone, I immediately self-reported, even though my finger was nowhere near that button, because I was putting in inputs on the screen, and it read it as, yeah, I would like to tell everybody about this murder I just did. Um, Or you can turn on the joystick, which is also wildly um, imprecise. Like, 
in order to start moving in any direction, I always went the wrong way first, like no matter what. And then turning was more steering than like precision controls. But on the computer, it's great. Uh, you have, you know, WASD to move around, and it works just like every other game that does that. And you can go places and you don't get stuck on corners, and it's wonderful. And your big dumb hand isn't blocking half the screen, so you don't see a dead body that you don't report, and then people think that you're the killer because you didn't see the body because your big dumb hand was in the way. Yeah. Yep, playing on mobile. Yep. And yeah, there are, as far as I'm aware, plenty of people in our Discord who also play this, but we haven't gotten a, a Cosmere Deep Dive game going. I've been playing with folks from the Legendarium Discord, so if anybody's up for that, I guess... Let me know, and I'll I'll try to get some folks together in here. Maybe you should make a channel for it. I don't want to make another channel for it. We do have a lot of channels. We do have a lot of channels, and um, I don't want to make another channel just for this. You could make a folder for miscellaneous stuff like movie night and this. Okay, I I will I will amend movie night to also include Among Us. How about that? That's an idea. Since since that idea was attempted. And happened for a little while, and then fell apart because I got tired of doing it every week, and I ran out of time to do it. Yeah. All right, so, Tori, what's your good thing this week? Okay. Well, my connection is a little hit and miss this morning, so I apologize if I turn into a robot. But I want to tell you guys about my Switch um, Odyssey, I guess is the appropriate word. So you know I wanted a Switch, and... I talked with my husband about buying a Switch, and let me just be clear, we have the money, okay? We're we're okay, we're doing all right, pandemic's treating us all right, we have the money, uh, but my husband felt like it was an unnecessary purchase because we already have lots of other game systems, and I don't play, as, play video games as much as I used to, so... We, we shouldn't go to McDonald's because we have food at home. That, yes, exactly that. Uh, so, so he was like, no, let's not do that right now. Um, but every year my job has their annual staff development day. And that is the day of the year that they give out the fancy staff awards, which come with money. So I decided if I got one of the awards, I was going to use my bonus money to buy the switch. And Matt's okay with that because I can spend my bonus however I want. So long story short, I got one of the awards. It was just enough money that I was able to go out and buy my Switch. Didn't have enough money Yay. to buy games. Not ba -ba -ba. any games yet. Gotta wait for that. But here's the fun part. My very best friend, uh, who is on our Discord as Sweater Kitties, you might have seen her on the Discord, um, when I posted to say, hey guys, got my Switch, yay! Uh, she called me and was like, um, you have to take it back. Because I got you one for your birthday. Boom! <laughs> so, so now I'm going to take it back. I'm going to use my bonus money to buy games. And then I'll have a Switch and games. All right. Cool. Uh, so the four of us can play Mario game. Maker. Oh, God. It, it, no, it doesn't work. It is multiplayer broken. Wait, what? Oh, Mario Maker? Uh, yeah, I mean, some of the late, like, some of the more advanced, like, screen scrolly thingies can you know what's but... good is super mario 
uh, 35, which you can get with the Nintendo Online stuff. That was my good thing from last week. Yes, Tori highly recommended that one of the first things you do is pick up uh, Nintendo Online, grab the year. It's how much is it for the year? Anybody? Ten. I think it's ten dollars for a year, but you get like a free thirty-day trial uh, when yeah. you sign up your account. Anyway, yes, earmark ten bucks of your of your game money for Nintendo Online. Wow, because, ten dollars like, for a whole year? That seems pretty good. Yeah. Um, and then yes, try out Mario Thirty Five. It's a lot of fun. Um, the wife is playing it literally right now. Well, cool. And, and, and you can play a bunch of old Nintendo and Super Nintendo games for free if you have it as well. Yes. Yeah, I'm excited. I'm, I'm still waiting for the one that my friend ordered me to come in. But uh, yeah, I'm excited to know that I'll actually have games to go with it. So and fun. I, be, I bet you she didn't even buy you one. She just said that, and I stuck him back. That would be terrible. Uh, no, she and, told me not to take the other one back until the one she ordered comes in. So, and I posted in general on a on a game deal that I just uh, saw that I'm pretty sure you you enjoy the uh, the mana games, right? I do, I do. Okay, yeah, so I'm excited about that. There's a combo thing of it for like twenty bucks for the Switch. So, yay! Um, beyond that, Mario Odyssey looks really good. Um, Breath of the Wild is always amazing, although. I haven't gotten it for the Switch because I still have it for the Wii U, and I shouldn't get McDonald's because I have Breath of the Wild at home. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. So, all right, Dave. And there's plenty of food in Breath of the Wild. Oh, I started so a new book this week. You did start a new book this week. Oh, what book is it? Brandon Sanderson. The book. Well, his Sunday name is probably time. bigger on the cover than the title is. Yep. Brandon Sanderson no, by Words of it's Radiance. Not bigger. <laughs> it's not bigger, but it's firster. <laughs> uh, Sunday Times bestselling author is the name of the book. Did you get another UK cover or another UK version? It's it's from the same set that uh, Way of Kings was. Okay. Uh, is this one split into two also? And do you yeah, have both parts? I have. I have both parts. Okay. The game is for four books, two parts for each book, because it's it's pretty big even being half a book. Okay. And, and that's the end of this week's chapters. Any questions? Well, uh, so the ending of this book has a couple of different versions uh, floating around out there. I'm curious to see which which version you have, and we'll find that out in approximately years. a while there's a bunch the of episodes. Original, <laughs> the original diagram said this was like 500 episodes, but I think that's been re- revised. Oh, that was my best estimate based on based on book length. But Tori's diagram has has proper. Uh, so we're doing 23 episodes on this, which is about half a year. So so yeah, I guess I'll find the answer to my question in about six months. Hang on, I gotta watch this Paul Rubin's death scene real quick. Isn't it just wonderful? That's pretty amazing. Uh, so this week we're going to be covering the prologue in chapter one of Words of Radiance by Brandon Sanderson. And future Mike can start the episode at that point. Uh, all right, so let's do yawn prologue. All right. Oh, but before that, oh, there's a couple things. All right, so I read the back of the book first. And it said the Knights Radiant must stand again. And it mentions uh, the Windrunner, who is lost in a shattered land. So that's probably uh, Kaladin. Kelsier. Right. The Lightweaver. 
I, I almost said Kelsier, and then I did it, and then you did it. Uh, uh, the Light Weaver is slowly being consumed by her past, so I think that's Shalon. It could possibly be someone else. I don't know. Uh, the Bondsmith strives to rebuild what was destroyed. Obviously, that's Silfrena. She's the Bondsmith. And the Explorer straddles the fates of two peoples. Maybe that's Dalinar. I don't know. Um, but yeah, I guess... I guess Kaladin's not the only radiant lost in this world. Um, the Bondsmith. I'm I'm guessing that Yasna's probably actually one of them. So maybe not Sulfrena, but Sulfrena is a Bondsmith. All right. And then also, um, I was going through the was just as I was opening the front cover of the book. There's a table of contents, and it says illustration titles may contain spoilers. Read at your own risk. So I didn't read the illustration. Because I need to maintain the integrity of this podcast. Okay, let's get into the prologue. At least until I talk. <laughs> hey, you guys, you know you know that illustration on page 400 titled Shalon's Death? <laughs> <laughs> okay. I'm not um, that bad. Or weird. The title of this illustration is, is Kaladin Murders Every Other Character in the Entire Series. And Cosmere. <laughs> like, forget to use Spook's name in the past tense to make you think he's dead. Like, that's that's the well, subtlety we're going for here. Alright, um... Prologue. Can, can we talk Six about my ago. favorite art splash page of of Dalinar was actually Hoyd the whole time? <laughs> Who drew that? The line? <laughs> Alright, I'm, I'm sorry for interrupting. Six Dave, years ago. Uh, so prologue is from the perspective of Yasna on the night of her father's death six years ago. Yasna is having a guest killed. Hey, there's Cezeth. Many people, unfortunately, are idiots. And if Cezeth had said that, he would have said, uh, he would have said, many people are, unfortunately, idiots. So we know that wasn't Cezeth that said that. It was Yasna. Yasna sees weird shadows. Yasna Kitty prides herself through a wall and into Shadesmar. Statue of Tom. Round beads cannot make a sharp sword, but round atoms could, so I don't buy this. Shadesmar <laughs> is Sylphrena's hometown. Bliss, you know what I hate about being an assassin? Am I supposed to remember these two hallway dudes? I didn't even write down their names. Some king dies. Three Parshendi, including Clade, Gangna, and Varnali. Castellar was about to do... Oh, Gavilar was about to do something very dangerous. Did did your notes autocorrect Gavilar to gasoline? <laughs> no, it's I probably was just a regular old typo because it was a, just a C instead of a V, and they're next to each other. So okay, I think I I stooped myself. All right, uh, yep. So we this is Yasna's, I believe Yasna's first trip in the Shadesmar. Yeah. I think that's kind of the main... I mean, we get a new perspective on an event we've witnessed already and uh, from the King's Daughter, Yasna. And it's her first visit to Shadesmar. And so she's like, um, I'm, I'm in this weird place, but this one bead looks like the hallway, so I'm going to grab it and make it turn back into the hallway or something. But I think it's still beady. And then she's like, oh, I can't make a sharp sword with these beads. But like... Depending on how big the thing is you're trying to cut, like, I don't know. Do you think you could actually make something that's effectively sharp with round beads like that, depending on the size of it? It depends like on the size of the beads, I think. And 
Like you could make a super giant sword that is effectively sharp enough, even though I mean, because atoms are aren't jaggedy, are they? Uh, I believe the those beads are described diagrams. as approximately the same size as uh, the spheres they use for money. So okay, but so like, but say the sword is like a hundred stories tall, then you could make a sharp blade with maybe. There's no such thing as sharpness, only crushing things on various scales. Yeah, so, that's what I'm saying. The size of the, the beads, they're like, um, they're, they're smaller than marbles. They're like, I guess you would use it for like making necklaces and stuff like people have, have made those. I think they're that size, if that if that makes sense. Um, I'm not saying that I'm not arguing the size of the beads. Like, obviously, it would be impractical, but like you could effectively make a sword whatever the scale of a bead is to a molecule, you could make a sword that's that scale to a normal sword. And it would be effectively sharp as a normal sword made out of round molecules would. To something... But only to something else that is also at that scale. Yeah. Sure. I will give you that. But in the cognitive realm, what does Nightblood think of himself? Is the question. Well, he thinks he's very handsome. That is interesting. Wait, is Nightblood a spread? I mean, like, essentially, like, hmm, we'll have to talk about that later. We will have to talk about that later. That is that is a way better question than I think you realize it is. Well, I realize it's a good question um, based on what we learn in Chapter 1. So let's go finish getting through the prologue here. All right, so Shadesmar is the hometown of the Spren, including our good friend Silfrena. And, yeah, I mean, I think the main purpose of the prologue is to show us... Uh, Show us Yasna taking a trip into Shadesmar, as well as, like I said, getting a... Oh, we also learned that um, Yasna's trying to kill her sister-in-law. She hired this assassin, Liss, and Liss is like, you know what I hate about being an assassin? And maybe she's related to Dent. I don't know. Or what does also, she hate about being an assassin? Uh, nobody trusts you, or like nobody respects your profession or something like that. It sounded pretty Denty. <laughs> Dent Maybe she's just a dentist. He's a mercenary. Is is it? Don't be an anti-dentite. Is it? Is it <laughs> that you actually are the bad guy the whole time, and you've just been telling the truth and disguising it as humor? No, man, that was Tonkfa. That was also Tonkfa. Tonkfa was bad at it. <laughs> yeah. He's like, I'm going to kill you. Wait, Isn't is... that funny? Ha 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 ha. What What is it you guys say during Among Us that? Tonkfa is sus. Yes. Tonkfa sus. You know what? Denth is sus too. Let's just throw them both out the airlock. Totally sus. I'm calling an emergency meeting. And we could throw Zane out as well because nobody liked that guy. I mean, I think even if Zane weren't a uh, an assassin, I think he probably would try to sabotage the ship by not doing his tasks. So, <laughs> so, so the thing with Zane is Zane has never actually played a game where he's been the imposter but he gets voted out anyway because he's a butthole <laughs> look one of these days he's gonna get voted out and he will be the imposter people just want to get the the leg up you know they want to get ready another cool thing that happens in the prologue oh first off so there's she runs into these two guys in the hallway and i couldn't remember their names or but one was uh yeah am i supposed to ever do, do i know these guys i forget you could know these guys One's an Azish fellow, and I rem. Oh wait, is that the armless guy? Lopin? 
Yeah. Lopin is a Herdazian. Yeah, Lopin is a Herdazian. What is Azish then? They're like. Uh, There's a country called Azir. As Middle Eastern Indian. Very dark skin. I I guess African more than Indian. Maybe like North African, like Egypt area. Azish are the dark skin bureaucrats, I believe. There is one one Azish uh, Bridgman, and his name is Sigzil. Yeah. Oh, is he the um, the enchanter, like the bard? The, yes, he's the bard. The world singer, and yes. Yeah, okay. Hoyd's apprentice. So, but, that's not, but that's not this guy. No, different guy. Okay, uh, I don't know who this guy is then. I just remembered there being one Azish character in part one, and yeah, all right, not that guy. Got it. All right, another cool thing that happens in the prologue is we get to hear uh, some Parshendi speak, which I don't think as the audience we've heard any... Well, other than when they were, like, chanting at Kaladin, I don't think we've heard any Parshendi speak. Neshua Kadal. Yeah, I guess this is, like, the first time we hear Parshendi speak English or Alethi or whatever. And they're like, oh, yep, we hired the assassin. Gavilar was about to do something dangerous. And that's all Wait, we did out of them before they're dangerous put or dangerous. Dangerous, dangerous. too. That's a pretty good prologue. I, uh, I rank it up there close to Mistborn Final Empire prologue. But I have more like back info to go coming into this. So it's kind of like Back to the Future, too. <laughs> So it's like the same scene from a different perspective. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So now that you have seen this this same set of events from two different perspectives, do you feel like you have a better handle on what happened that night? Uh, yeah, I think mostly because we get the uh, perspective, like we get we get to talk to the Parshendi in this version. So uh, you know, I was kind of suspicious. Like, yeah, did the Parshendi really take credit for that, or is that? politics and warmongering or something but no they straight up were like yeah we, we killed him sorry we had to kill your dad and also uh uh Lys, the assassin that uh yasna is keeping on retainer not sure yet whether or not she's going to employ her services beyond spying on her sister-in-law Lys actually had uh Sezeth as her servant like now Lys didn't use Sezeth's powers or know that he had powers uh you know allegedly but she was the one that sold zeth oh i don't know if maybe there was an another intermediate but it zeth's oathstone went from her to the parshendi it would seem uh-huh. yep so yeah and there you go wait did so who's your guess of who she was going to kill of who Liss was going to kill? Yeah, Yasna had, uh, she was going to assassinate someone, and then she changed her mind. So who do you think, just throw out a guess, who was she going to assassinate? Elokar's wife. Okay. It's not a guess, it's pretty explicit. Yeah, it it says it. Yeah, I just wanted to bring up (laughs) Good guess. I guess Good it's guess, like, you figured it out. <laughs> man, what super Con- genius. Big congrats on the reading comprehension, Dave. It also uh, threw out her name, but I couldn't be bothered to write it down because I didn't think it was important. Uh, Asudan, if if you would like, I can spell it out for you. A suit on, as in when you go swimming, you should put a suit on. Exactly. Yeah, so prologue was pretty cool. We didn't get a prelude, though. No, there's just the one prelude so far. Maybe we'll get another one in book six. Six. I thought 
how many are actually out? Four? Uh, rating the fourth five? one is coming out in November. Oh, Oathbringer is the third one. Yeah. Right now we're on Oathbringer, Oathbringer negative one. Oathbringer is the last book in the Cosmere, right? Uh, new. No. Well, that was the last book when we started the podcast, right? Technically. Sort of. Um, I, I forget if we're doing the... Um, we're doing White Sand White after Sand. Oathbringer. White yeah. Sand Part 2 and Part 3 both came out after Oathbringer, but White Sand Part 1 was out before. Uh, that's the Dune comics, right? Yeah. Yes. And then the next published thing in the Cosmere uh, is going to be... Actually, it's going to be the uh, the novella that we should be getting... I believe sometime this month is when we're supposed to get it. And then it'll be uh, Rhythm of War. Although the order they were written is reversed. So that's fun. So chapter one. Unless you've got more on the prologue. Uh, nope. Chapter one. Give me one second. All right. Chapter one. Uh, this is the beginning of part one, which is titled A Light. And our perspective characters will be Shalon, Kaladin, and Dalinar. Although we've been lied to before in these headings, so... We'll see. But mainly will be Shalon, Khaled, and Dalinar. All right. Chapter one, Sanfid. In italics, Mom's Journal. How about that? Navani's personal diary. Get to take a Wait, peek at how do we know it's Navani? The same reason we know that uh, Liss is being hired to track Elokar's wife. Reading comprehension. Try and to take over the right world. There. Chapter one. How does one draw while sailing? What's going to happen with Shalon and Yasna? A Santhid shell looks like two longboats lashed to a narrowboat. Sazed, get back to your own planet. Do Vaden swimsuits come with a glove? Yasna on deck. Wait, some random dude lashes a box? Shades, Mar lesson. Spren are living ideas. Ideas that leak out of the cognitive realm and gain a sliver of sentience. Ancient betrayal. Well, gee golly, that's awful nice of Navani to fix the old broken doohickey. Shalon gets set up. Adeline is recently single. Adeline is always recently single. The Lost Radiance. Shalon takes a selfie of her snorkeling adventure. This one, this chapter takes place on a boat. <laughs> selfie adventure. Even though no, it's not it's snorkeling. actually a selfie snorkeling adventure no, no we take selfies of other things yeah we've we've discussed this her yeah i know this I know. this is dave's terminology for this is when shallan takes a memory it it's a selfie Mm-hmm. i don't know why they call it a selfie because she rarely takes a picture of herself but she takes a picture of other selves so i guess it still works i uh yep so i'm kind of like so I would I would not try to draw a picture while I was on a ship and it was all rocking around like I'd screw everything up all the time. Not that I'm not good at drawing to begin with, but I feel like it would be counter counter counterneous that to try to do this with a rocking ship. But Shalon's a pro. Uh, so at first I was like, why are, why is Shalon on this ship? I thought that she sort of made up with Yasna, but Yasna's here too. I think they're heading toward the Shattered Plains. I looked at the map and the map, the this, you know, several points throughout this chapter talk about different points on the map so you can kind of follow along their journey through Long Brow Straits. Like they pass uh, on the north side of Thalina and they're headed toward the Shallow Crypts where I guess they'll probably go on land from the Shallow Crypts to the Shattered Plains. Yeah, cool, uh, 
cool use of the map in this chapter, Brandon. Good job. It's like that time when Indiana Jones lashed himself to the outside of a submarine and then traveled for three days. Was that in the fourth movie? Uh, that was in the first one. Is that in the Atari game? It may have been. <laughs> so while they're sailing, a Santhid pulls up alongside of the ship. And to this point, you know, Santhids are considered uh, a boon to sailors. They follow the ship around and... All they can see from the ship is this big old shell. And Shalon, as the researcher she is, wants to get a closer look so she can take a selfie of it and draw a picture. And, you know, she's like, uh, uh, tie me to a rope. We're gonna, I'm gonna have a look at this thing. And they've got basically like a snorkeling mask that they made out of something, a turtle shell or something. And then, they're like, oh, I got it. And, oh, the guy, her buddy from the last book, um, Yalb, is here, too. And he's like, uh, sure, Brightness, but I got to ask the captain permission for the helmet. And or it's more like a face mask. And, uh, you know, Yalb wants to try to get out of this because it's dangerous and stupid and silly. And they don't really understand the scholar's approach here. And Yalb is a very intelligent man. This this is, <laughs> this is something that he doesn't want to get in trouble for, so yep, bring exactly. that to the captain. So at one point, like Yasna is talking about how she's like sheltered from horrors, and then a voice speaks into her head. You grew up with horrors, Shalon, and it was almost kind of like a almost kind of like a ruin moment, where it seemed like it was an outside voice talking to her. I think Sezed's world hopping here. Maybe, probably not. It might. It's. It probably was just her own internal dialogue, but it's. Eh. All right, and so she's gonna go for a swim, but she doesn't have a swimsuit or a glove. So, do Vaden swimsuits come with gloves? And are they like, you know, are they like sexy? Like, if you wear a glove instead of like a safety safety sleeve or whatever. So, I mean, if you want to get really risque, it's a three piece. <laughs> right. You know, you got the top, you got the bottom, you got the glove. I was gonna say a glove would be close to having like a form fitting piece. Yeah, like a like a like a leather oversuit or something. Or like a zero suit Samus would have a glove on. <laughs> uh yeah. And actually doesn't I thought Yasna normally wore a glove. She's wearing a safety sleeve in this chapter, but I thought I remembered that Yasna wore a glove. But she would be the type to just be like, heck it. I need. I don't care if this is considered risque. I need the function of my hand. Does she? No. Yeah. No. Okay. So right. I'll figure I don't it know. out. I'm, well, I'm, I'm thinking about it because, despite being a heretic, Yasna actually does follow the forms of propriety pretty closely, except in like specific cases where she doesn't wanna. So I guess I guess it depends on how she's feeling at that point. But I I would probably go with like if. Thanks, Craig. Uh, if <laughs> did I distract you? You did. Don't look at it during work. Uh, I had something and it's gone now. <laughs> for for those listeners who want to know, I just posted a link to Safe Hand Hub. Do not browse during work. Wink. Nope, it's gone. I had something and it's gone. All right, Dave, continue. I guess I'll just let that one hang. It's gone. Thanks, Craig. Okay, so Yasna comes on deck. And I don't. Oh, this, on deck. 
She's like, uh, give me one of them chairs, at, which I guess is, or sorry, Shalon's sitting on like a crate. And so a random deckhand comes and brings a crate and it says that he latches it to the deck. And I looked up the word lash and it means to strike something. So this uh, obviously <laughs> means lash. Like he's not just like hitting the crate with a whip, right? So obviously they're using the term lash in the sense of you know Skadriel you know Roshar uh, they're using the Rosharian sense of the word lash here but is it figurative like that he's this just, is, it just means he's affixing it to the deck somehow or is yeah, this guy just like normal use of the word where like tying something you lash are you thinking of lacing no <laughs> I think. I've, I've heard I mean aside from Brandon Sanderson I could have sworn I've used it before I mean, you might have used it. I wouldn't put it past you. No, yeah. this is... Cord, look, lashing, dictionary. Uh, the second definition, a cord used to fasten something securely. That's what... Get... That's the uh, Was, it, was it one of those times... What's up, Mike? Rope, rope work. Well, one, I like Dave's mental image here of <laughs> a dude brings a crate over and then just, and then just <laughs> wails on it. And, and Yasna's standing there like, thank you. I appreciate that. And then second mental image of just random sailor using Kaladin's powers that he's the only one in the world we've seen do this besides Seth. Just <laughs> just random sailor. Just like, bloop, here you go. I infused it with Stormlight. It's not going anywhere. <laughs> and then... I, I, and then I'll the, tell you exactly what happened. The third mental image finished. is he just tied it down in a very mundane way and... And Dave didn't get that far in the definition. Yeah. Well, it was all right, it was one of those instances where you just you Google or like okay, define lash, and I looked up lash, and it didn't even show on the initial list. Like I actually had to click the button to expand the definitions to even get this definition of lash. So like, yeah, I I, I guess I only wanted to know one possible definition. Google, thanks for making me click and do extra work. As if it didn't make my life too easy as it is. But even better is if all three of those happened in succession. <laughs> Why would he win? <laughs> like, Yasna's like, hey, hey, Mr. Sailor Guy, can you bring me a crate and lash it, please? He's like, all right, bring it over. Whack! And then, oh, that's not what you wanted. Okay, bring another crate over. Stormlight. Nope, not that either. Okay, third crate. Ropes done. All right. Uh, so Yasna comes and sits down, and we start talking about Shadesmar. And like, this is great. I love this. Uh, I love this. Lo- this exposition section where we learn about Shadesmar and how Shadesmar exists all around us, and it's it's the cognitive realm. You know, in in space, it's like I guess in three dimensional space, it's kind of like intersecting with where we are now, but it's the cognitive space, right? I don't know if I'm. I might be using the word space wrong, or I'm. I'm using it the way I intend, but I might be wrong in the way I'm envisioning this. But anyway, yeah, I, I think you've got a pretty good grasp on it. Um, one thing that isn't mentioned, but you'll learn later, and I'll just tell you now. And we may have gone over this already. Is that uh, in the cognitive realm, wherever there isn't stuff in the physical realm, there isn't space in the cognitive realm. So like okay, that makes sense. So like space, which is big and empty and there's nothing, just isn't in the in the cognitive realm. Uh, 
Can you wormhole through space then? Or is it just like a barrier? That's a great though. Good question. And I don't know the answer to it. Exactly. I know that there are are means of transport of blah, blah, blah. There are ways of going from one planet to another by way of the cognitive realm, because we've seen people like We've seen the end results of that, but we haven't actually seen anyone do it, so we don't know the exact methodology yet. I would assume that just like the Roshar and uh, Scadrial are just like right next to each other in the cognitive realm, and you just walk from one to the other and then switch back to the physical realm. That is definitely one of the possibilities, but again, we haven't haven't seen it, so we don't know. So yeah, Shadesmar, Sulfrena's hometown... Uh, so we get to learn about Shades. So Shadesmar is the cognitive realm. And this was kind of my my uh, thought about, like, is is Nightblood in some way kind of like a spren? Because a spren is something from the cognitive realm that leaks out into the physical realm and gains some sentience. Like, maybe Nightblood's actual, like, sword body is physical, of course. But, like, his... Uh, Maybe his um, like his his quote brain, his mind actually leaked out from the uh, cognitive realm on Edgley or whatever. All right, Edgley is the name of the shard bearer. Let's talk about this. Let's let's discuss Nightblood, uh, in terms of of Spren and the cognitive realm and all of this. So what Nightblood is made up of is almost entirely investiture. And then there's some metal that it's attached to. What's investiture? I mean, I've, I know it's, it's all I know of that is like it's superpowers. What is it? It's the magical energy uh, of that, the cosmos. That's it. Yeah, it's it is the raw power juice of the cosmos. So like, if you like took Superman and like took put, away his body and just took his superpowers, if that, you put if you put Superman in a Kryptonite blender. <laughs> <laughs> Then, then you would have, if if Superman were sourced from the Cosmere, and yeah, then you would have an investiture smoothie. Some of his powers, because some of them are just based on the uh, the gravity difference, right? Of Earth versus uh, some of it has to do with the yellow sun or something, right? Right, it's yeah. His power from Earth's yellow sun. So, so that that he gets from the sun is probably would be investiture. So not the powers, but the ability to draw energy from the yellow sun would be investiture. And then he changes that into, you know, his laser beam eyes and whatever else. And then depending on what planet's yellow sun he's drawing power from depends on how those how those abilities manifest on that world. So what you're saying is Superman wouldn't have powers on Scadrial, but he would still have investiture which is like the potential to have powers if the sun turned yellow and Maybe. wasn't covered in a mist an ash are, Didn't are we Krypton have a red sun it did but it had an actual red sun where scadriel has a yellow sun and the atmosphere turns it red because of all the crap and junk and stuff in it well so what does that do to superman's powers on scadriel uh, i believe it turns him into jerk superman who smokes from superman Three. Bizarro Superman? So are we officially adding the DC comics to our Cosmere crossover list or is this just Please no, they have they have power scope issues. <laughs> just stay keep them away. Keep them separated. 
Like in in They've the been DC universe, for a while they have a lot of issues. In the DC universe, there are basically two power levels: either uh, you're a rich guy who has gadgets, or you're literally a god, and there isn't really an in between stage there. So you've got uh, you're either Sazed or you are Wayne Wax Ilium. Yep. Except yep. Waxilium, who can't um, burn steel or store his weight in iron. All right, right, right. He doesn't have any powers. Yeah, okay. But if you're rich enough, you might be able to buy some gadgets that let you do that. All right. Uh, so, Shazemar. And also, Yasna is going to help Shalon save her family. And she's going to do this in two ways. One, she's going to get her broken Fabriel fix. Uh, her mom, Navani, is a master artifabrian, of course. So she's like, "Oh yeah, you just gotta, you just gotta duct tape this gem socket back on right here, and I'll do it for you. Just bring it over here." And then she's also going to give Shalon's family connections. Uh, so they're in like a pre-betrothal stage now. Uh, Shalon and Adeline. And Shalon, Yasna was kind of like scared to tell. It's weird to say Yasna was scared, but she was kind of nervous to say this to Shalon. But Shalon's like, oh, this is great. Uh, I get to be married. I think maybe Yasna is more jaded on marriage than Shalon is, um, obviously. Not marriage so much as thinking that she'd be beholden to someone else. But she also says, especially a man. Yeah, she does say that. Um, but I, would, anyway. I would say that. Yasna assumes a lot more personal freedom for herself as like a baseline than yeah. for sure Shalon, but probably many other people are even capable of. Uh, Yasna has a ton of privilege and she isn't necessarily aware of it. Okay. And then we get this term thrown out. <laughs> Yasna's like, well, Shalon, if you are who I think you are, then you have a lot to offer the royal family. And she throws out the term Lost Radiant, and there are multiple of them, and I bet it's the four we read about on the back cover. Uh, and then Shalon's like, they also have a talk about, like, how does Yasna command all this respect? And, you know, it's not, it's not really her wealth or her beauty. It's like, that the the illusion of command allows you to have command, basically. So uh, Shalon gives us a try. She goes back to the captain. She's like, I'm your boss. You're going to lower me into the water so I can take a look at that crab man. And then she does, and she takes a selfie. And it's like, I get the idea. It almost looks kind of like a squid, but instead of like a soft mollusky head, it's just it's, it's like a squid with a turtle shell helmet. That's what I'm getting out of it. Yeah, that it sounds pretty It has a giant eyeball. But I think that's fair. Yeah, and that, that's the end of chapter one. Uh, okay, can we talk about Yasna's lesson here and how it's crap? Which, which lesson? Uh, it's true to some extent. I mean, you can't, like, you if you present yourself with more confidence, you will have more influence over people. But, like, that's I mean, not the lesson. Just take a bum off the street. Yeah, what's, what? what's the lesson? What do you think the lesson is? The lesson was. What what Shalon got out of it was that people listen to Yasna because they believe that she is Yasna Kolin, sister of the king of Alethkar, one of the most powerful people on the planet. And if she wasn't that, and people still thought she was, she'd get treated the same. 
which is fine right up until she's asked to prove it if she isn't. And then everything falls apart, and it's a bad lesson, and Shalon shouldn't be learning it, Yasna shouldn't be teaching it, arg. So I think I think the lesson is more to have confidence in yourself. Um, yeah, it does. If, if, if you really want to analyze it, it does fall apart, because it should be restricted just probably to light eyes, because there is that distinction between dark eyes and light eyes in this world. So if if she was anyone else that was a light eyes, she could probably exude the confidence to get people to listen to her. But that's the extent of it. Like she couldn't be a dark eyes and probably get away with it. Unless she had contact lens. But yeah, I did kind of get the idea that it, the way that Yasna puts it, it is kind of like, well, as long as people think you're important or think you're this important person. Yeah, but the lesson still holds up, Mike. There's no contradiction because if they ask you for your credentials and you don't have them, well, then they no longer think that you're the important person. And so the lesson is still true. Yeah, if you're confident enough, they won't even ask you. It's just the lesson is all about having confidence in yourself, which is a good lesson. It's just described poorly. I'll get on board with that. It does almost sound like she's telling her that you can get away with being an imposter <laughs> to some extent. So Phil Knight should be here in just a second. Uh, posting something in general for you, Dave. I guess while you're waiting, you can take a look at Safe Hand Hub. There it is. Yep, squid with a turtle shell helmet. It looks like it's it will it's about to teach Shalon some ancient martial arts. It looks like she's like in a swing, and it's like pushing her on the swing. <laughs> it looks like it's about to touch two very specific points on Aang's back to reopen the Avatar state. No, that was to teach him. Well, we don't want to get into spoilers. <laughs> but he was teaching him a new technique as well. So, all right. Do we have anything else for these chapters, or shall we shall we move on to Spoiler Town? Um, you excited for this, Dave? Yes. Nice. Are you as excited to be back on Roshar as you were to be back on Scadrial? Um, almost. Yeah. Uh, so, like, as I was reading Roshar, it was like, ah, oh, this is cool, but like. Roshar was really cool in retrospect. You know, I, I enjoyed Roshar maybe as much, maybe even more, like, thinking back on it than I did during the reading. And now I'm like, oh, man, I remember, like, all this stuff. And I also, it seems like we're going to get pretty heavy in the realm theory in this book, too, which is obviously exciting. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, so, yeah, I think I think that tracks. Like, the first time through Way of Kings you are getting so much thrown at you in terms of, like, this is a weird, weird, weird world. It takes a lot of getting used to, 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 to like, get it to sink in. And after the fact, you can look back on it and be like, yeah, that was great. During, it's kind of a slog because, you know, you're, you're just, you're trying to parse through all of this while you're in the head of a depressed dude who, like, everyone around him is dying constantly. It sucks. Right? Mm-hmm. That's the tagline for 2020. I mean, basically. Uh, so, yeah, we have Afterwards of Radiance. In, like, six months, we'll be doing Sixth of the Dusk, which is a novella. Um, then there's Alamancer Jack and the Pits of Eltania, which you got little bits and pieces of in the broadsheets of, uh, of Alloy Oh, Law. yeah, that's the... Um, that's the... Terrace with the charisma mind. 
Yeah. I can't wait to find. I can't wait to read about that. Uh, that one's a lot of fun. It's it's written in the in the style of like a a 1920s radio serial gener- er, um, gentleman adventurer story. Um, and then we get two more like accidental. Commander McBragg? Huh? Like Commander McBragg? It was a short that came was like, he's either part of Dudley Do-Right or Rocky and Bullwinkle. It was like the old safari guy sitting in front of the fireplace telling his stories to like the other guys, like in a lodge. Commander McBragg? Yeah, yeah. that sounds about right. Yep. Uh, and then after that we get Two more accidental Mistborn books that that came out within like two months of each other because Brandon just he just he just makes stuff he just makes books appear sometimes. I think he <laughs> might be a genie. That really was the definition of what happened. The books just appeared, and like we get two of them now. So all right, but yes, back in back in uh, Words of Radiance. Yes, this is this is my personal favorite Cosmere book. Yeah. Oh, uh, Fel Knight just said Brandon accidentally booked, and yeah, yeah, that sounds about right. But but for now, we're on Roshar. Uh, are you excited to delve into the potential romantic relationship between Shalon and Adolin? Yeah, that should be pretty fun. I think they're gonna like butt heads at first, so it's gonna be great. Sounds like a fun. I, time. I did cast Jeanette McCurdy as Shalon. Good. I'm sticking with that. All right, let's get rid of Dave. Let's go to spoilers. Bye. Give him the boot. Bye. Bye. The boot. Dave's gone. Play the thing. This concludes the spoiler-free section of our podcast. If you are, as I am, reading along for the first time, we recommend that you stop listening now, as the following will contain spoilers for not only this book, but for other Cosmere books as well. There may also be general spoilers from any other source material. Spoilers begin now. And we're in spoiler town. Uh, so, Craig... You are limited to three things. Go. <laughs> All right. So the first thing I want to discuss, I want to talk about Inkspren. So we actually got to see them pop up in Yasna chapter. And um, it looks like their goal, it, and, and, and I think this is discussed later on, but I don't fully recall. But they're trying to kill Yasna, right? Because she's, she's a budding radiant. And was this, so my question for you guys, was this, let's remove Yasna or let's test Yasna. Which do you think it was? It seemed like a test to me. I mean, it could have been all of them but Gliss um, trying to kill her, but since Gliss had started to bond, he's like, nah, let's what? let's keep her around. What were you saying? Ivory. Yeah, Gliss is, Gliss is, uh, Gliss is Renarin's. Yeah, Renarin's. So, Ivory. I, Ivory. I apologize for that. Um, so, you, you guys think this was a test. Send her into Shadesmar because, you know, she is an Els caller and has transportation as one of her searches, and see if she can figure out what to do. And she's she's clearly transferring something to the beads, and from what we know, you have to you have to invest the beads to get them to do anything. So she she has to have investiture within her to be able to do that. Because if she had nothing, then she would she would have drowned. Mm-hmm. So she was invested. She transferred her power into some of the beads while a cop and a hallway and a statue and through that was able to survive and of course ivory helped her get from shade smart and back physical realm now just to clarify you're saying they sent her to shade smart because i kind of thought it was that she ended up in shade smart herself you think she did it to herself well i think she panicked uh kind of like shalon did the first time she soul cast um yeah 
it just happened. Uh, from what I recall, she started putting her hand on a wall in the palace, and she started sinking through it, and then she fell in the chaise mark. So yeah, maybe maybe that was her. And it's not like a sprint can just I'm gonna send you over into the cognitive realm. Instead, she did it to herself. That's what I thought. But there are also hints that she has been seeing Ivory at least for a while. Like you, it's just like Kaladin starts manifesting his powers. You still needed Sill. You needed to have that sort of bond starting to be formed. And so she had to have some sort of bond started for well, her and, to do any of this. And and like we know Shalon had her bond with Pattern way before events that were that we're aware of, uh, just that she's repressed those memories. But we also keep getting hints of um, Yasna having, how did they describe it? Like she was basically crazy. She had episodes when she was mm, a child. That's true. Yeah. Uh, and, and we just hear those mentioned, but we haven't had any clarification on what exactly they were. Yeah. So that um, could be. My sense was that she was given over to the Ardents for some amount of time. In, in a similar way that, like, they were caring for Taln, or they are caring for Taln right now. Well, so, I mean, she's seeing shadows backward, which is which is weird enough. And if she's proclaiming that, and they're like, eh, she's crazy, send her off to the, to the ward to be taken care of. Like, I, I can see that. And, of course, uh, along with the ink sprint, it is a little weird that the shadows go in a different direction. But I want to remind our, our listeners here that shadows in the cognitive realm that way they they go towards the light sources i still can't figure out why or how that works like why that's a thing in the cognitive realm but that's just what they do that's also a sign of void bringers according to lore which is probably something that got conflated from uh, uh from some from some of the lore about knights radiant yeah and it all just sort of got jumbled together is my guess Okay, so the ink sprint ivory was there to test Yasna, make her manifest some of her abilities. She does. She starts her path to becoming a radiant, and right. also formalizing her bond with with ivory after this. That's one thing for Craig. You got two more. Let's go. Uh, we'll do a minor one. The the two weird hallway people that Dave sort of glossed over. That is Nal Nail and Kellek, I believe. Yeah, you see them in the. For those of you who are listening, uh, in the preview chapters for Rhythm of War, they pop up again um, in, the, in the prologue. We also, and hopefully you were paying attention this this read, Craig, uh, Yasna does not destroy the statue. The statue mm, yeah, is still there. I was, I was keeping an eye out for that. I'm like, okay, so she just makes a statue manifest in the Cognitive Realm. Yep. It's definitely Ash. She's somewhere around destroying statues. Yep. That's fair. So, um, so we, have, we have four... For sure, heralds at this party. I I believe all of the heralds are going to be there, but I'm not sure if no. I I don't I don't need what I don't see why all all the heralds would be there, but four for sure. It's a big deal. It's a big deal. So again, I mean one one of them is off being god emperor somewhere. Yeah, so. Ishar is in Ishar. One of the Makabaki kingdoms. I can't remember which one, but yeah, he's he's being okay. a god king. Probably has been for a few thousand years. Um, we. So we definitely got Nail, we definitely got Kellek, we definitely mm -hmm. have Ash somewhere. Yep. And we know Yezrian is being drunk somewhere. Yep. Cool. He's he's there. We saw he's him there. in the the Way of Kings prologue. Yeah. Yeah. Of Have You Seen Me? And yes, yes we have. Cool. All right, so that um, was number 2 was your uh 
was your Herald check-in. Yeah, I gave you a softball one, because I know we want to get to the preview chapters. Uh, so we have a probable fifth Herald um, at this point in Carbranth. Definitely in Carbranth later, probably in Carbranth now during the during the party. Don't remember which one that is, but there's that. Uh, Talon would still be on Braze at this point, so there's... Yeah, yeah. There's six. Uh, Ishar is probably being a god king, so there's seven. And that leaves three more who are places doing things. I think th- those are the ones we know very little about in general. Mm-hmm. Cool. So, uh, if anybody has one, anything on, on them... One yeah. of them is probably in a quiet re- retirement in Shinovar raising chickens. All sorts of different chickens. So. All right. Uh, all right. So, what's your third thing, Craig? Um, I don't really have much else this this week. You, I've got something else. You begged and fartered. Prologue, but... you, you argued so hard for three things, and you didn't even bring three things. What are you doing? Well, see, that's what I make sure I have space. It's a theory craft, and I'll just, you know, I leave it. It's cool. All right, Tori, you can have Craig's third thing then. Okay. I want to talk about the Sanfid. And the way it's described as, you know, we we only ever see the shell on the surface and nobody knows what they look like underneath. Yeah. It just, it reminded me so much of Sprin and the things we learn about them at the end of Oathbringer mm. is that they're, you know, partially submerged in the cognitive realm and we're only seeing a little piece of them on the surface, as it were. Yeah. And just... The way Shalon goes looking for the rest of it, just, you know, to me, it was a nice parallel to later events. That was all. You know, I sort of miss Shalon being the, like, she hasn't really done any of this sort of, like, natural history. Like, she doesn't really do this in Oathbringer, and it's sort of like, what happened to this? She's busy being the spy master. Yeah, I, I sort of miss this Shalon. Now, now that I'm, like, rereading Words of Radiance, I'm like remember she used to be much more like this mm-hmm. and maybe we'll get some of that in rhythm of war when she goes to um with lasting integrity there it is i had to reach for that name i was like what's it called speaking of rhythm of war wait wait uh... wait, wait i do want to point out guys that while i gave up my third thing there is something very large i would like to discuss not today but some point in the future i really want to talk about the three different realms okay um you have, giant... you have six months of of uh, Words of Radiance. Well, I'm not sure I'm going to talk about in Words of Radiance. I want to have the discussion with Dave, because he, he likes to study math, and what I have to discuss involves dimensional physics. Okay. Uh, I don't know what the term is, but I need someone who knows physics. So if we have a listener who perhaps is in the physics, who's willing to discuss and help me hammer out this theory so I can properly present it, uh, I would like to do that, but I would like to talk about that in some point in the future when we don't have preview chapters. So why don't we talk about those preview chapters? Tori, it sounds like you need to get Matt on a call with Craig. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, he has to also understand the Cosmere so we can, I can be like, this is what I think is happening. Can you tell me what this means in math? And be like, yeah, sure. And be like, bam, it's going to be a perfect theory. All right. Shall we get into Rhythm of War now? Sure. Okay. So I had a thing, before we get into the preview chapters, I had a thing relevant to Rhythm of War, uh, and also the thing we were discussing, which was the preview chapter a few weeks ago, um, Mraze was actually, it seemed like, trying to get Shallan interested in natural history again, at least for a few minutes. Mm, Right. And 
And yeah, Radiant and uh, Veil just like completely shut it down. My my overall impression of Shallan in these preview chapters is that her Shallan identity has been buried. They say she's she's she claim okay, Veil and Radiant claim she's okay, but I'm seeing a lot of Veil and Radiant, and I'm seeing very little of Shallan actually on the surface. That sort of scares me. I mean, we do have Formless as well, and, and I feel like Shallan really needs to figure herself out soon, or we're in trouble. Uh, so I, in the Legendarium Discord, we've also been discussing all of these, uh, someone had an idea of what if Shallan's next big secret uh, that she doesn't want to admit to herself is that she is, uh, in fact, dead, and, and is a cognitive shadow inhabiting her own corpse what so i I don't know mechanically how that would work because i don't know how cognitive shadows beyond um like the only cognitive shadows that i'm aware of on roshar are heralds and uh the Stormfather. so i don't know if that's even like viable i'm glad you asked mike um as we get into these preview chapters this week we get a little bit of information about how cognitive shadows can come about and if an entity is heavily invested, which early Shallan could have been if she was starting to form a bond with uh, Pattern, if she was heavily invested, there's a chance she became a cognitive shadow staple to herself. Um, but she would have to be heavily invested, which is usually something only a shard does to that person. That's getting ahead of things. So It is. We have two chapters to go over this week. Uh, so why don't Tori... Uh, why don't you start off, start us off with, I believe we're on chapter 14? Yes, we are. So chapter 14 is voice, because this is a Vinley chapter, and she is the voice of Lady Leshwe. So Yay. that's what this chapter is about. But first, a note on Fabrial Mechanics. Gemstones leak stormlight. I know, I know. This is This is new information that we didn't have before. And managing the leakage is important. That's what we get from our note on Fabrial Mechanics. But stay tuned, because next we're going to talk about Logic Sprint. That's it for the note. That's It ends on Logic Sprint. We don't know what's Thank important you, about Logic Sprint. Thank you, cliffhanger. Chasm hanger. Thank you. Mm-hmm. We okay. can use that term now that we're in Roshar again. So, we're in the palace at Kolinar. Uh, all of the uh, important fused are gathering for a meeting. Uh, and also, the palace is not the same as it was back when we saw it before, because the fused have remodeled it to their exacting specifications. They've put in new towers and rooms and things, and uh, one of the rooms that they have made is a place where their leaders are ensconced, I guess is a good word for it. So... The fused are governed by what they call the nine, which I'm assuming there's one from each of their uh, radiant orders. I don't know if it outright says that. Anyway, they're governed by the nine, who are these immortal fused people uh, who are encased in stone. Like They're like sort part of, of the pillars stone. or something. Yeah, there are these nine pillars. Uh, Each pillar is holding one of the fused, and they are facing each other, and they're just stuck there. Voluntarily. Um, Yes, yeah, because Uh, that sounded like fun. At any point, they can, like, will themselves dead and then get reborn with the next Everstorm into a a new listener. 
and and start it over. They survive entirely on void light. So it would be like it's if uh, if Kaladin just stopped eating, stopped breathing, and just just survived entirely on stormlight indefinitely. So that's creepy. Anyway, <laughs> the nine are in their room, and the fuse gather for some kind of meeting. Uh, we are talking about. Um, they're talking about the ship, the fourth bridge. Uh, so everyone that did the um, the assault on um, Kaladin's hometown is called what now? Hearthstone. Everyone who was there and saw the ship is uh, talking about it. Uh, so Leshwi is giving a report. And so they ask about, uh, so did that suppression fabrial work? And Leshwi's like, yeah, it totally worked. Um, but it's lost now. And the nine are like, hey, that's that's no good. What a failure. And Leshwi's like, that, that's not my fault. You can blame Lesian the Pursuer. It's his fault it got lost. And Lesian tries to pull this, oh, it didn't really work because that Radiant who fought me uh, defeated me. And so he must have had powers, uh, totally still had powers, and could never have defeated me without them. Yep, even uh, though even though it's just Kaladin being real good with a spear and guessing right, where but... and noticing the pattern of how that dude fights and just reading it and oh yeah, you're gonna teleport to right here, stab. Mike, don't be silly. A human couldn't possibly beat one of the legendary fused. So, uh, Lesian then says, "Okay, but since he killed me, uh, I get to pursue him because that's how he got his name. Is that?" Whenever a human kills him, he then forsakes all his other duties to hunt them down with a single-minded purpose until he manages to kill them. And uh, the um, nine are... Quick. Yeah. So this is pretty good uh, for, for team rating because uh, the pursuer, Lesrian, mentions that he tested the object and because it he thinks it didn't work, that's actually really good. That means they might not use a small form. Um, but continue, continue. There's more. Or it means they're going to double down and keep trying harder, and it's yeah. going to... Anyway, so Lesian wants to pursue Kaladin, and Leshwi's like, nope, nope, you don't get to do that because he killed me first, and I'm going to claim that I get to face him down before you do. Uh, maybe Leshwi has a little bit of a crush? Hey, remember, I... remember in uh, Words of Radiance when we get pretty early on that Zeth's next target is Dalinar, and that's yeah. like a thread throughout the whole book of Seth is for sure going to come and try to kill Dalinar. I feel like yep. we're doing that plot again. Yep. Except this time it's different because Leshwi might have a budding friendship with Kaladin. Yeah, it's, it's Leshwi and it's Lysian and it's Kaladin, but it's the same plot. It's a weird love-hate triangle. So Lesian's mad about that. He doesn't like it at all. I think he rage quits. I don't remember. It's been a while since we <laughs> read this chapter. Um, so the meeting carries on. And um, at some point, again, I don't remember because it's been so long since we read this chapter. Um, Vinley asked Leshwi, I can talk, uh, why she doesn't ascend higher in the in the hierarchy, you know, like because she's this great commander and she should be more in charge than she is and uh Leshwi kind of gets onto her about it is like hey it's not your place to say but 
uh, we get the impression that this is very intentional on Leshwi's part, that she has ascended high enough to have some command, but not so high that she's encumbered by the bureaucracy of it all. Kind of makes her more likable. Uh, that that seems like the exact sort of thing that came up uh, in Nightwatch by Terry Pratchett. Right? Which which then suggests to me, like, I already know that Brandon is a Terry Pratchett fan, so I think, he, I think that's a little bit of a shout-out. But then... There's a twist. A new fused shows up. One that even Lady Weshwe is afraid of. It is Rabonial, Lady of Wishes, which sounds like a really killer name there. Um, Rabonial is a little bit crazy. Um, and hang on, I'm skimming the chapter because I don't remember exactly what happened here. Rabonial, the scientist fused. Right, she's a mad scientist for sure. A scholar, <laughs> Weshwe said. She is a mad scientist. And she's the one who discovered the suppression fabrioles, she says. And she's got a plan to defeat the humans and the radiance. And her plan involves taking Urifiru by turning the fabriol that runs the place against the radiance by turning it into sort of a giant suppression fabriol. And the nine seem to think that's a good idea and it will work. And so Leshwi leaves the meeting um, and Vinley follows her, unless she's like, this is a bad idea, and I don't like it. And, uh, yeah, that's how that ends. Uh, so a couple of things on this is, first off, the suppression fabrial is based on technology that Rabonial, uh, discovered at the, from the tower. So, yeah. presumably the tower has something like this, but it is anti-fused, like anti-voidlight. That's, that's my interpretation. Um... And also, uh, and I quote, as the sibling is essentially a deadeye, bum bum bum, sibling is, mm. is basically a deadeye, not exactly a deadeye, so we don't know, we don't know that for certain, but. Well, I suspect because the sibling is one of the large spring, like, like Stormfather, <sighs> Stormfather can't really become a deadeye, he's way too invested and, and has too much sentience, but, yeah, and so sibling is probably very similar. So that that, that suggests to me that uh, the the thing that has to happen for Navani to bond the sibling is first for Adolin to yes uh, yeah to to bring back Maya. He does. It's happening, guys. And then and then that is going to give Navani the the bit she needs to to take the next step to figure out how to start talking to the sibling. Although, as my theory from earlier in the week, I believe the sibling is already in contact with Navani. She's The sibling's just not very happy with Navani. The sibling is at the other end of that span read, making its displeasure known. Yeah, I think they have a, they have a, an uphill battle, but it'll be fun. Man, November's going to be cool. Yeah, so, so yeah, as you pointed out, they're going to attack the tower and turn it into a suppression um sphere whatever uh taking away their base which would which would suck so i my interpretation is that this is going to be the big climax of rhythm of war there's going to be a big battle as you do and it's going to be over Arethiru. and just like in oathbringer and you cannot have my pain i think navani's going to have a big thing where the sibling where she's going to bond with the sibling and cool stuff is going to happen so if i can if i can attempt to guess here uh the Rabonial's plan is going to work for a little bit. So they're going to be able yeah. to, to turn on tower-wide suppression. And then, after that happens, when everything seems like it's it's all 
going to crap and everybody's dying and it's bad, then Navani will bond sibling. It'll reverse the polarity on the deflector dish. <laughs> yeah. Which, why doesn't the bridge just have a switch for that? That solved every problem for like five seasons. <laughs> oh. Anyway. I think it's going to be something like... Um... Raboniel succeeds, does something with the Fabriel that is the heart of Irithiru, and Navani, seeing what she does, is going to be like, oh, that's how it works, and then she's going to be able to fix it, <laughs> and then she'll be able to bond the sibling. Okay. We'll have to see what happens, guys. We'll have to keep reading. All right. We'll back, know in a month. Back to, back to chapter. Yeah. Next chapter? Uh, uh, we on. still have a little bit left. Yeah. We got stuff to discuss here. Um, specifically, Vire. Moash. Oh, right. He was at the meeting. Yeah. I'm sorry. I kind of glossed over that. Like, I suppressed it. Like Shalon does with her traumatic memories. Yeah. Moash is there. Uh, because, of course, he is. And he's like, well, what are you going to do about the Windrunner? And they're like, yeah, Windrunner's not going to be a problem. And Moash is like, whatever. And and he's sitting in a shadow and looking super creepy and holding his sword out so that it's just barely in the sunlight and yeah yep yeah when that's this eventually when this eventually becomes a movie that's gonna be a cool scene <laughs> and it's like oh, the human and he's gonna be lit like uh, Morticia it's, Adams it's barely lighting like you said you can maybe see his mouth and the, and the sword that he's holding and yep. that's it he's gonna be lit like Morticia way. Adams. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Uh, right. And they also, Rabinel men mentions that there is a way to imprison the Fuse, and eventually the humans will figure it out. So that's something the Team Radiant needs to figure out. Um, presumably they had to discover that in order to uh, to make the Yezrian murder a knife. Mm, right. It probably works in a similar way, yeah. Yeah, because he's probably imprisoned in that knife somehow. Because, um, yeah, the Fused are Cognitive Shadows, Yezrian... As a herald was a cognitive shadow, they're both bound in in the same way and by the same oath pact. So, yeah, that tracks for me. So the big thing is that uh, Venli is going to work with uh, Rabinal, right? Yes. Leshwe's like, oh, great lady, here, have some servants, including mine. Uh, but then Leshwe bends down and is like, I need you to spy on this lady for me. So that will put Venli with the team that's going to figure out what to do with, with the tower, which is pretty important that we actually have a Radiant doing that. Little did they know. So overall, I thought this was pretty good. We finally get a Venli. Uh, wait, did we have a Venli perspective before? Yes. Okay. But here we actually get to see sort of how their organization is run with the, with the big meeting and everything, which was sort of neat. We get some background and information about the different f types of feet and what they're up to. And the nine were creepy. Mm -hmm. Sure. But also, I, I, honestly, Rabinell is more creepy to me than the nine. She also is creepy. Um, but, so someone pointed out in the uh, discussion on Tor.com that um, the nine kind of seem like maybe that's where the five came from. You know, that uh, Venley's people were governed by the five. Yep. The elders. Yeah. Uh, one representative from each of the different forms that they could that mm, they could yeah. access. Right. Where here we have one representative from each of the different types of fused. Yeah. Um, at least we know specifically that the pursuer that has popped up, it seems to be that's his thing to just go try to kill humans. And especially 
kill the one that has just recently killed him. So at least he's got a little bit of a single-minded purpose, and the other wind runners are probably okay for him. It's good to have a hobby. <laughs> well, hang on. I don't remember there being anything about how he couldn't kill anyone else, just that That's he was true, focused but... on, on this one person. Yeah, he's not going to purposely go out of his way to kill a bunch of wind runners if he has a target. Although, I guess he had that target taken away from him? I don't know. We'll have to see what happens. Um, Alright, next up. Chapter 15. Chapter 15. The light and the music. So our note about Fabrial mechanics here. Getting back to Logic Sprint. So, Logic Sprint, it says, react curiously to imprisonment. And there hasn't been a lot of experimentation on these Logic Sprint because they're so rare. Anyone who's been following American politics lately will understand why. Uh, <laughs> the thing about Logic Sprint, though, is that they, quote, vary the light they radiate based on certain stimuli. One of the ones that they mention is if you tap the gemstone with different metals, the light changes states. So that's our note on Fabrial mechanics. We know that Logic Sprint are involved in the making of the Fabrial clocks. That's about all we know about Logic Sprint. So real quick, uh, to put this in perspective for you guys, since we do have a clock and an alternate dimming and brightening pattern, you could technically make a computer. Yeah, that's that's how that's how computer do. Yep. Yeah. Stormlight binary. Yeah. Um I I have seen multiple games that have like, you know, have stuff you can build that has automatic on off switches and you can just build a computer with with that in a game and this is yeah. If this you have this is even more switch, input output than that. That that is computers. If if you can make a logic gate, something that's on and off, you can make a computer. But they haven't done it yet, so there are no stormlight video games yet. Which is why, as the chapter opens, Kaladin is wondering what to do with his retirement because he doesn't have video the video game. game to play. Right. So he's uh, he's kind of moping a little bit, and he decides he needs some advice. Well, he's less mopey. He's he's not like. He's not brooding like he would. Yeah. Right. This is uh, 10 days later, so he's had some time to think about it. Uh, and he he still doesn't know what ultimately he's going to do. So he decides he's going to seek out Zyle for some advice. Uh, um, I, I would like to point out he explicitly notes that he is not currently a danger to himself. So so he is, he is out of that specific form of funk. So we go looking for Zyle. Um and oh there's this cute part where um sill tells kaladin that hair is gross <laughs> i just want to talk about that oh, uh, to you? Yeah, because it's adorable i think her logic uh, is very sound she says everything else that comes out of your body you dispose of quickly and quietly but this strange stuff oozes out of little holes in your head and you let it sit there gross so yeah sill sill is precious and i love her on his way to visit Zyle, uh, Kaladin takes a little detour and stops by one of the uh, ledges at Irithiru that they are using as a farming field because he knows that's where he's going to find Rulane. Um Rulane has been helping with the farming efforts. Uh, remember, since they haven't got Irithiru working, they don't yet know how how the farming happens. But Rulane, uh gave them some... Um, 
not secret, but some traditional, there you go, traditional singer techniques of uh, farming, which is where you use um, stormlight, <clears throat> sorry, yeah, um, gem light to grow the plants. And also you play music and music. that affects life spread, which so helps important, the grow. It's all about the rhythm. And that's also where we get the name of the chapter, the light and the music, very important things. Mm-hmm. Um, so Kaladin so, so stops in to visit. This Go ahead. ties together real quick. Uh, we mentioned before, music plays a very important part. Um, Roshar, especially, anytime you see investiture throughout the world, not used by Radiant or Fused, you just see it throughout the world or something that has more power than usual. You will typically also hear some sort of rhythm or music related to that. Super important. Well, and it's also got me thinking that you know, the whole thing about logic sprint was that they vary their light depending on how you tap them with metals. So does it matter what kind of metal or is it the rhythm that's important? Can we like, if we just have some Fabrial DJ over here dropping <laughs> some beats, are we going to get a light show? I don't know. I'm sorry. I went off on the tangent there. But um, no, my point was that maybe the logic sprint light thing is also related to rhythms and music. And Relaine mentions that most of the humans are bad at at keeping like the right beat. Uh, you know, clearly they can't hear the rhythms, but they also like just can't seem to get it. But some right. of them, so, so some there's of a them bunch do. Of, there's a bunch of people that are playing drums, and Relaine is overseeing them. And every now and then he has to go and correct them um, because, as he says, the the humans don't really hear it. Okay, but it it seems to be helping. Uh, so, so the humans need a good drummer. That's what they need. The humans need bronze mistings. Right, because pulses. Mm. I wonder what they would see on this world. That's actually really good. Go on. Okay, so Kaladin is talking with Relaine, and Relaine is like, yeah, I mean, you know, their, their drumming's not that great, but it's good enough, and I think they'll get better. Uh, and that's when Kaladin says, hey, I found you an honor sprint, and Relaine's, yes. I just had a thought. The way the sibling works. It's a giant musical. Well, he, he probably does music for the whole entire tower. We need our elevator music, guys. That's what Arethuru is missing. Yes, they have the elevators. They don't have the elevator music. But I think you hit it. That's it. No, but, but seriously, I think it's some kind of rhythm that will pulse throughout Arethuru that will allow crops to grow, that will allow heat to be had, and light and whatever else they're using it for it's it's essentially like how the listeners can tap into different rhythms just automatically they just hear it throughout the world um the tower itself needs that like it's missing the rhythm the rhythm of war yeah well hang on because it says in the note on fabrial mechanics that the logic spread are what they use in the clocks and a clock is a constant rhythm you know tick 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 so if erythiru is a giant clock then, I'm sorry, I just broke my brain. I Yeah, yeah. The sibling is a giant logic sprint. I gotcha. Yeah. Anyway, so, uh, Kaladin says, Hey, Relaine, I found you an honor sprint. And Relaine's all excited, like, Oh, yay, I've always wanted one. And that's when Kaladin <laughs> says, Yeah, I kind of forced him to pick you. And oh, Relaine's like, uh... The wrong and, and thing to say. Exactly. Kaladin, come on. You should know better by now. Uh, so, Relaine... Uh, gracefully declines. He's like, "No, uh, thank you for your work, but I don't want to. I don't want to take a sprint that doesn't really want to take me." 
And Kaladin's like, but why not? And Relaine's like, okay, dude, seriously? Well, so that's not what happened, though. He he told uh, Yunfa to take a look at Relaine. He didn't say choose Relaine or not one. He just said, give Relaine a chance. And then after 10 days, if it doesn't work out, we'll find you someone else. Like, yep. that's that's fine. This is if the exact sort of that. scenario that Rock would step in, take over, explain <laughs> properly, and and fix it. But Rock is gone. So, so Kaladin is left to just screw this up on his own. Yep. Yeah, well, and I'm sure Kaladin felt like, okay, Yunfa, you have to give Relaine a chance. But inside he was thinking, and then Yunfa's going to love Relaine because what's not to love about this guy? Right. And it's all going to work out. Exactly. So that's how Kaladin was thinking of it. But that's not how it comes across to either Relaine or Yunfa, I think. Yep, Kaladin messed up. So Relaine declines. And all and... Kaladin had to do was just not talk to Relaine. <laughs> yes, exactly. True. Like, he had already convinced True. Yunfa to, to give him a chance, and if he had just let that happen, then things might have gone differently. But he so had question, to go and open his big stupid mouth. The question for you guys is, do you think Relaine will eventually become a full Windrunner, or do you think he'll be a different rating order, like maybe a Will Shaper like Venley? Um... Like, it seems like they need to find a sprint who's willing to give listeners a chance. And so far, as far as we know, Timber, Tim, Timber, Timber, Timber is the only one who was willing to do that because he really doesn't like humans for what they did. I'd like to see Relaine be a different, uh, be a, be a non-Windrunner, be a different uh, order. I'm, I'm thinking that he's going to end up with Yunfa anyway. I think Yunfa's going to be like, well, what do you mean he doesn't want me? And then it's going <laughs> to pursue him a little more vigorously. Well, he, he might see how honorable Relaine's acting and be like, hmm, I like the cut of that guy's jib. But, uh, or another question is, instead of Yunfa, what if Relaine's one of the first ones to be bonded with an honor sprint that isn't part of the group that's willing to, to currently form Windrunners? What if he's one of the first to be bonded with someone from lasting integrity? That's after... a good possibility. Yeah. So that's something to think about. Okay. Are we ready for the next scene? Yes, please. All right. After Kaladin leaves Relaine behind, and even though Kaladin's upset, he's like, well, Relaine's my friend. I guess I'm going to listen to his wishes. Good job, Kaladin. Um, so after he leaves Relaine behind, he goes to find Zyle. And Zyle is on laundry duty. Three books to learn that basic concept of, of listen <laughs> to what people tell you. Yeah, he's got a whole book to forget it and remember it again. So don't don't worry about that. It'll come up. It'll keep coming up. So Zyle is on laundry duty and Kaladin goes and talks to him and is like, hey, I was thinking I might join the Ardents. And Zyle's like, you say what? <laughs> and he says, do you really think that you deserve to be one of the Swordmaster Ardents? And Kaladin's like, well, I mean, I really don't know what else I'm doing with my time. And Zyle's like, no, no, no. You think you deserve to be one of the Swordmaster Ardents? And Kaladin's like, um, yeah? And Zyle's like, fight me in real life. So. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. Real quick. Something important that Zaheel says. Uh, you couldn't give up the sword, Kaladin says to him. And he says, oh, I gave it up, I let it go, best mistake I ever made. Which, clearly he's talking about Nightblood here. Mm -hmm. So he willingly gave up Nightblood. He and let Nightblood go. 
a lot of what Zyle says in this in this chapter is directed to us, the audience, and not to Kaladin. Yeah. It's a weird conversation. <laughs> like, hey, you guys remember type one and type two entities? Oh boy, we gotta change. And meanwhile I'm like, tell me more. But not yet, because first they have to fight over whose turn it is to do the laundry. Okay. So it's actually a pretty cool fight scene. We've got Kaladin um doing his very best swordsmanship against Zyle, who, you know, Kaladin's pretty sure he's not a surge binder, but boy, there's something weird about the sheets on those clotheslines. Um, so we, the audience, know that Zyle is over here awakening the crap out of the clothes on the clotheslines, is yep. using them to, like, um, pretend to be figures in the washing and distract Kaladin while Zyle comes up behind him and uh, uses scarves to, like, rope his hands together. And it's just, it's a really cool fight scene. Um I'm, I'm imagining all of these colorful scarves, you know, gradually changing color as the fight goes on. And it's it's pretty cool. Uh, and Kaladin the... doesn't even notice the color changing until after the fact. He's like, wasn't that one yellow? It looks gray now. Exactly. There's a point where Syl's like, um, we're losing against something that came out of Adolin's sock drawer. <laughs> Which is a very funny line. Um, I mean, so... Vasher is, is a master awakener. It's I don't think Kaladin can even get a hit on him. He's, he's hundreds he of years old. Running powers. He's been practicing his awakening that entire time. He's been practicing his swordsmanship that entire time against yep. people that are better than him, which yep. there aren't that many people that qualify as better at swordsmanship than he is at this point. Yep. And, and yeah, uh, Zyle just, Zyle treats Kaladin like, like he's he's some jumped up kid who's who's trying to pick a fight he should not be picking here, and he loses badly. Yep, to cloth, so, yeah, to sock yeah. drawer. And uh -oh. so so after he's lost, Kaladin starts thinking, "Hey, I think I've seen this fighting style before." And he says, "You fight like Azure does," and Sile's like, "She fights like me," which is Girl. true. Um, after the fight, they sit and they have a real talk. Um, Zyle tells Kaladin that he he shouldn't join the Ardents because uh, he doesn't hate the fighting enough yet. Like he should he should come and join them after he hates the sword and everything it stands for. Um, Kaladin which, uh, still wants to protect his people, but he also protects through fighting, as that that was his theme in Way of Kings. Still is. It's just that he locks up to Moash. Like that's it. Moash. Moash is his problem. And also, he locked up uh, back in Oathbringer when uh, his the wall guards he had befriended were fighting against the listeners True. that he had befriended. So the, the people he was connected to were fighting against each other, and he could not handle that. And mm -hmm. then they all died, and Adolin had to drag a catatonic Kaladin away. Yeah. So I and think the so issue is that Kaladin, Kaladin can't make himself fight anyone that he has a connection to. Yeah. Except Leshwi. He can fight Leshwi. But that's because his connection to Leshwi is through fighting. It's sort of like, this is my relationship with her. It makes sense, so therefore I can do it, even though he is forming this connection with her. Kaladin and Leshwi floating in the sky. K-I-S-S-I-I-I. -I -I. Yep, you got it. 
All right, so let's let's go more while we okay more. Um, so after Zal's like, no, you can't be an ardent. Come back when you're older. Um, Kaladin says, "What are you?" And then we have a speech from a special guest star, Professor Vasher, who is back Yay. on a limited circuit from lecture circuit from Warbreaker. Uh, and Zyle explains that um, he is a type two invested entity. He used to think he was a type one, but now he's met the sprin and he has to reevaluate the scale. Science is like that, always proving you wrong and having to be adjusted. So his type, uh, definition seems to be related to how connected something or related something is. I shouldn't say connected. So how related something is to the shards. So since spren are pieces, they're actual uh, what splinters or something like that, similar to the aeons on um, cell. The seons and the skays. Since they are little bits of the shard themselves, they should be type one. Vasher is a type two because he is just a heavily invested cognitive entity okay keep going so when professor vasher is explaining what he is he uses a fossil as a uh, visual aid he's like so this fossil thing right what happened was it was the dead thing that over time its body got replaced with stone and he says i'm kind of like that so i was alive and i had a soul but over a really long time that soul well a very short time because it happened pretty instantly. Um, the soul was replaced with investiture. Ta-da! <laughs> Just like that. Fossil soul. Yeah. I mean, that's, I think, a fair description. Uh, so here's an interesting bit from that. Uh, the place I come from, it didn't have any of these. It's too new. Your world might have some hidden deep, but I doubt it. Yeah. So... so Nalthus is new. I think it was created by endowment, which is why it's too new. They don't have fossils. Um, Roshar might, but because everything is like crabs and stuff like that. Well, that's now. Now it's currently crabs. Before, it might have been like nothing, which is why well, they probably wouldn't have left fossil. Because honor and cultivation didn't create Roshar, did they? They just went right. there. So... This place has existed during... Adonalsium. So it might be old enough to have fossils like that. Right. So, but uh, I, my interpretation of the things that exist on Roshar, it's very similar to the Cambrian era of of uh, our world, Earth. And we don't have a lot of fossils from the pre-Cambrian era because things didn't really leave fossils. So that's my interpretation of what he said. Basically, the, the world, the evolutionary path of the world to new. On Roshar. Oh, I I took it as just general um, world age. Um, so explicitly, Nalthus, too new, has not existed and had life on it long enough to develop a, a fossil record, right? Yeah, sure. straight up, that is that is what is being said there. Yep. Roshar might be old enough to have some fossils just now developing. Yeah, maybe. Sure. Um, since we know that Roshar was created by Adenalsium. Uh, I'm I'm extrapolating from this that one um, that fossil came from Yolan, and, the one he's he's showing us, and then two Yolan as a as a world that has life on it might predate Adonalsium. No, I wouldn't say predate. I don't think anything predates Adonalsium. We don't know. That's true. 
but we do know life on Yolin is very, very old. Like that's where that's where humans evolved from. Right. Well, now getting back to the Adenalsium thing, in the same way that the sixteen took Adenalsium's place and then became quote unquote gods, for all we know, Adenalsium was just the guy who took over some other god's mantle. Maybe. Could have been. We have had no reference to anyone before Adenalsium, but we also know very little about Adenalsium aside from the name. Well, diving into Mormon theology, like Mormons believe that if you are a good and faithful Mormon when you die, you get to become a god of your own universe. And like that's that's part of Mormon theology is that our current god went through that cycle in his previous life. Hmm. Interesting. Interesting. So something we get here is that uh, Vasher knew Hoyd when he went by the name Dust and when he was quote unquote younger, which could mean during the five scholar era. And apparently didn't have a high opinion of him back then. I've noticed a lot of people who really know Hoyd don't have a high opinion of him. Like, I don't think Kelsier likes Hoyd. Apparently well, we Vasher doesn't, doesn't really like Hoyd. Hoyd. Would Vasher like Kelsier is the question. I don't think Vasher likes anybody. <laughs> I'm I'm surprised at what he said about Azure. Like, what what kind of falling out did they have? It's, it's she's hunting for you. Adelina said the full woman will have to get through cult- cultivation perpendicularity first. So it's like he doesn't even want to talk to Azure slash Vavena right now. Like, what happened to them? He did no more. I uh, think it's got to be related to him selling off Nightblood. Probably. So, um, Vasher Zile here makes mention of a way to defeat the Fused permanently, which is you have to find a way to disrupt their souls. You can't just rip them apart. You need a weapon so strong it unravels the soul. Hmm. Where have we seen that before? I can think of one offhand, and then potentially the Dawn Shards might also qualify. Yeah. So Nightblood, who was held by Zeth, although we don't know where Nightblood is currently. We haven't gotten to check in with Zeth yet. Uh, we got mentioned in this chapter that he's imprisoned. Yeah. Which presumably is voluntary because he has a spren that he's bonded with and could theoretically form a uh, form a shard blade. Well, it was voluntary in that he was commanded by Dalinar to serve a prison term, so he will do that because he's listening to Dalinar. Also that. I wonder if Dalinar just skips straight to the thing that he threatened ca- to do to Kaladin. Which is? Uh, if I if I ordered you to guard this cell for a, for a month, would you have done it? <laughs> that's right. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Which is in this book. It's in it's in Words of Radiance. Uh, and, and at the very end, Zahil talks about um, endowment. The, how endowment takes their memories, so that way they can actually better be what they are. Something something important here, though, is that even cognitive shadows have an intent capital I intent, similar to the way shards and shard holders have an intent. And that eventually over time, these cognitive shadows will be closer to their intent than anything that they used to be. Um, which is what has happened to the fuse because of how old the fuse are, but it's also sort of what happened to the heralds because again of how old they are. So that that is something that's very important, the fact that they also have intent. I always thought it was just the shard holders that have intent, that that's what they become. But there, there's similarity between those who hold shards and Cognitive Shadows. Uh, I would say 
that the Heralds and the Fused are probably a bit of a special case on this front because of all of the getting killed over and over and over again. Yeah, and then in the case of the Heralds, the torture. You know, the torture. The torture yeah. that's probably not great for sanity. But that the torture. important thing is that they... And still, Zahail says this. The longer one of us exists, the more like a spren we become. Consumed by a singular purpose, our minds bound and chained by our intent. This is what he says is happening to him. and He doesn't die a lot. To the best of my knowledge, he's only done it the once. Exactly. So... Over time, cognitive shadows will be chained to their intent, which is why you have the pursuer. That's what he is, the one who pursues. So, all right, do we have anything else this week, or shall we go ahead and call it? Well, Man. just, um, so Zyle says that when he died, his memories were taken so that he could more perfectly inhabit that intent. Um, but I don't feel like that changes who you are, because, you know... Lots of Dalinar's memories were taken, and it just kind of made him a better person. So, like, Whoa. who's to say if Zyle got, or Vasher, got his original memories back? Like, uh, we know from Warbreaker that when Lightsong got his memories back, it just made his intent all the more clear. And there was mention of a word of Brandon, um, that the same thing happened with Calmseer, the one that... Uh, Lightsong said was the best of them and had died before the events of the book. According to Word of Brandon, uh, she died taking care of some sick people. She uh, contracted the disease and then she died of it. And so she returned. And then one day somebody came through her, um, what do you call it? Her the line. line. Yeah. Petitions. The petitions, yes. Uh, it was a man carrying his sick wife um, asked for healing and Calmseer remembered in that moment that that was her daughter and that the reason she had come back was to save her own child. That's word of Brandon right there. So my interpretation, though, is that if if the memories weren't taken, there'd be a weird disconnect because it'd sort of be like, I died. This is how I was. And you would try to be the person you were, but you also would have this weird intent that's sort of baked into you as well. And it would clash like it's fine. For like Light Song and Comms here, they learn who they were. They they regain their memories and then they're able to act on those actions. That's fine. But if you live with the memories, it's a little different, I think. Like like well, my interpretation the is same... that the memories can get in the way of of your intent and it it could cause a a like a fracturing, which is sort of what we're seeing in the fuse. Well, exactly, but it doesn't mean that the memories are gone forever. Like right. no, Dalinar, that's... Dalinar lost his memories of his wife and what he did temporarily, and then regained them later to become a better man for it. So, yeah, that that's I just saw a parallel between the returned losing their memories and uh, Dalinar losing and then regaining his. Can I have my pain? Exactly. So this I think was a really good week. We get some Zahil, we get some Cosmere knowledge. That's what's talked about in the annotations this week. Uh, just that we get a little bit more Cosmere-aware discussion, but we're not going to see a lot of this until near the end of the book, apparently. We're going to get a little bit more, so that's that's exciting. For us fans of all Cosmere, I'm looking forward to it. And that's all I had to say. Uh, that's pretty much all I had as well. Craig? Oh, I get to go again? No. no. I'm no, you, no. you get to say that you're done. Yeah, I'm And done. bye, everybody. 
I have Good to night, go internet. Care, Bye, everyone. This has been the Cosmere Deep Dive Podcast. Follow us on Twitter at, at CosmereCast or like us on Facebook. Our theme music is Traveling Made Up Continents by Gillicuddy, used with permission. Hear more from him at the Free Music Archive. Thanks for listening. Thank you.